Relax as the blaring of horns become the gentle rolling of a river. Let road rage wash over you as it transforms into a relaxing melody. But this isn't just about mindfulness. It's also about life insurance. Because with John Hancock Vitality, living healthy can earn you rewards. We believe your life insurance company should help you live a longer, healthier life. Keep it positive at itslifeinsurance.com. Insurance issued by John Hancock Life Insurance Company, USA, Boston, MA, not licensed in New York. And John Hancock Life Insurance Company of New York, Valhalla, NY. Availability may vary by state. Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I hope your week is off to a really great start. And if you, you know, if you need a little boost, we got you. Don't worry about it. We've got three fantastic guests tonight that I am really looking forward to sharing with you. First up, we're going to get a return visit from former PGA Tour pro Richard Zokel. I'm really looking forward to having Richard back on the show. He's always so much fun when he's here. Want to get his thoughts and my other guest tonight as well about the ruling that Hao Tong Lee has had to deal with over the last few days. A lot of controversy about that ruling. Want to get his thoughts. You know, to me, his caddy was clearly walking away from behind Lee's line before he takes his stance and, you know, before, certainly way before he addresses the ball. Happened on the 18th green. Lee made the putt for birdie. And uh, then well after the fact, after he finished play, after he signed his card, Sometime later, he was informed that the infraction uh, occurred and that he was going to be assessed a two-stroke penalty, which dropped him from a tie for third place all the way down to a tie for 12th, costing him $98,000 in prize money. Really want to get Richard's thoughts on what he thinks about that ruling. Plus, if he were out playing on tour today, would he leave the pin in or would he want it out when he's putting? Also want to get Richard's memories of playing alongside Johnny Miller. This weekend is going to be Johnny's last call at the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. He and Johnny are both BYU alumni, and they played on tour for a minute, so I want to get his thoughts about uh, what he remembers about Johnny Miller. Plus, Richard now is the founder and CEO of a company called MindTrack Golf, which we'll learn about, and they're doing great things along the mental side of the game. You guys know how much we love to talk about the mental side of the game of golf, so we'll talk about what he is doing with that company and a whole lot more. Richard's going to join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from one of the great instructors in the game, and that's Brian Jacobs. Brian spent uh, last week down at the PGA Merchandise Show, so we'll hear about some of the events and the other instructors he got to meet with down there. Spent a lot of time doing work for the Golf Channel, so we'll talk about that. We'll also get some drills from him that we can do indoors to keep our golf swings intact as we all wait for spring to arrive. Looking forward to having Brian back on the show about 20 minutes from now. And then we'll wrap up tonight's show with another great instructor, one of Golf Tips Mag- Golf Tip Magazine's top 25, and that's Tom Patry. TP is a great friend, and uh, we're going to be blessed to have him uh, pretty much on a monthly basis here on the show throughout uh, 2019. So very excited about that. He, too, was at the PGA Merchandise Show, so we'll hear about the people and the products that struck him while he was down there. 
We'll also get some more tips on the short game. TP and I very big on the short game, practicing your short game, spending the majority of the time practicing your short game. So we'll talk about that, plus how to gain more stability in our stances. And TP will be along with me about 40 minutes from now. So a lot more great information, stories, and playing lessons coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, I always like to remind you about my good friend Mitch Lawrence and his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, let you know about great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. Again, their show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and now it's moved to a new location to uh, Golf Trip X, and that's the letter X for experts. So GolfTripX.com. Go there and check out their show and learn about some of the great hidden gems of some of the wonderful courses around the country. His twin brother, Matthew, is also fantastic. He's got a great golf show as well called uh, Backspin Golf. His show's on hiatus right now, which you guys know is driving me nuts. But the show typically airs on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. It's on Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can go online to WLXG.com and stream his show as a podcast. Catch up on anything you might have missed last year. You're going to love the show. Matthew's so much fun to listen to. Again, you can find it on WLXG.com. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on this winter. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place it is and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron from either their Fort Worth PTX or new Edge irons. Go out on the range and compare them to whatever it is you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. They'll build those clubs to your specifications. Best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories by by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. Their semi-annual sale is going on right now. Save up to 50% on some of their clothes. Plus, their early spring collection is out as well, and it looks fantastic. Got my eye on some of their polos and their sweaters. So do what I do. Go online to BobbyJones.com and check out a wonderful array of men's and women's apparel and sportswear. You're going to love it. Again, BobbyJones.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is former PGA Tour pro Richard Zokel. Let me remind you about Richard's background. He's from Kitimat, British Columbia, which is on the coast in the central part of the province. Played his college golf at BYU from 1977 to 81, where he helped them to a first or second place finish in the Western Athletic Conference all four years he was there. They finished second in the national championship back in 1980. Richard won the international champions tournament that year over in Morocco, captain BYU to the 1981 national championship. 
In 2009, that 81 golf team was inducted into the Brigham Young Athletics Hall of Fame. Richard won the 1981 Canadian Amateur Championship by one stroke over Blaine McAllister in a sudden death playoff, and then he turned pro. Among his other wins were the 1982 British Columbia Open and the 1984 Utah State Open. On the PGA Tour, he won twice in 1992 at the Deposit Guarantee Classic and the Greater Milwaukee Open. 2001, he won on the Web.com Tour at the Canadian PGA Championship, and he was inducted that year into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. He is now the founder and CEO of MindLink Golf, which you can find online at MindLinkGolf.com. And I'm very excited to have Richard back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Richard, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Chris. Uh, first of all, can you hear me okay? Absolutely. You're loud and clear, my friend. Good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be back with you. I appreciate that, Richard. So, look, I want to jump right into it. I got to get your thoughts on this weekend's controversial ruling from uh, against Hao Tong Lee. And it certainly created a yep. lot of buzz around the golfing world. And look, I think they've worded that rule pretty subjective around when a player is or isn't taking his or her stance. And the interpretation around the rule is you got to be close, right? If, they, if the caddy is in the putter, the putting line, if the, if the player is about or close to taking his stance, then you're going to get assessed this penalty and boy it was brutal on how tongue lee ninety eight thousand dollars it cost him i don't know what's your thought richard what do you make of the situation <laughs> well i think this is a good example of a couple of things number one um there's still a lot of gray areas when you know when he starts to take his stance a lot of people listen to hank haney this morning and he seems to think that it's when you set the putter behind the ball that's not the case i i think that the the rule reads that you you, when you start to take your stance, and I think he did that, and uh, I, I, the intention of the whole thing, of the whole situation was quite bad. I don't. I think everyone who saw it doesn't think there should be a penalty. However, I believe that the rule needs to be written in such a way that there's no gray area. Either he breached the rule or he didn't breach the rule. But what it will do, I can I can be certain on that. We could be certain on that, Chris, is that no one's going to make that mistake again. I think it's really set the mark that uh, Caddy's got to bail out of there a lot faster than the player as he moves into his uh, hitting a hitting a shot. Richard, you know some of the other things with the with some of the new rules that have taken effect this month. I want to get your thought about putting with the flag stick in. If if you were out on tour now, would you leave it in, take it out? Well, you know, it's interesting on how, uh, and I've thought a lot about this. Uh, again, I'm going to reference Hank Keene. He's a, a statistician, and he's gonna, making a lot of reference to Dave Pels, who's, you know, both of these people have kind of taken a scientific approach. And I think that if this is a non-makeable putt, say, you know, from a, a outside a good distance, that you're not, you don't think the putt's going to go in. Statistically, it'll probably help you more times than it'll hurt you. However, when you're a player and you're in the moment, you don't want to look at kind of the average over the course of a year of all your putts. In that moment, you think you're going to make that putt if it's a makeable putt. And as a player, if I think I can make that putt, I don't want that pin in there because all it's going to take is one time to bounce it out. And on tour, you've seen it many times. So there's been a lot of you know, shots from off the green where uh, a player – has decided to take it out. And I think Ray Floyd has always uh, used that very well. He said, he says, uh, uh, leaving the pin in, in a makeable chip, that it'll, it'll only 
it'll hurt a good shot. And, and I think that's the case. Now, everyone's different. So you look at Adam Scott, and he's obviously benefiting from leaving the stick in. And I think what it's doing for him, it's narrowing his focus. He's focusing on the center of the cup. And uh, it's helping him significantly, I think, from uh, just a, in, a, in, a, in a way in which it narrows his focus. And uh, I think that uh, you'll see more and more people um, leaving the, the pin in. I, you know, it's interesting to watch Bryson DeChambeau because he's, he's leaving it in on uh, all kinds of shots and, uh, and taking it out on occasion. So, it's, you know, we're going to have to watch and see what happens here. And, and uh, everyone's going to have to um, make their own mind up what they're going to do. But one of the concerns that's coming out of this as well is that if someone wants it in or someone wants it out, it could, sl- in fact, uh, slow play down, which is the exact opposite what the intent of this rule was. This rule change was all about. What about at a place like whether it's Augusta National or Oakmont, maybe Pebble Beach, where you're looking at places that historically have very slick greens? Do well, you think it'll make a difference? Yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time imagining the flag stick in at Augusta National, where the guys are make, you know putting 10, 15 footers with the flag stick in. But you know, if you got a if you got a really big downhill putt that could run 10, 15 feet by, if you you know if you're a little too aggressive, boy, it seems like you yeah. know you'd be keeping that flag stick in. Yeah, that's right, and I think that you'll see it. Uh, um, the faster the greens and the bigger the slopes, like Augusta National, I think that's when you'll see players leave it in a lot more. Um, I you know like <laughs> I can recall the front pin on nine at Augusta. You don't get any more, you know, faster situations. If you're above the hole, and uh, you're going to want to leave the pin in, in all likelihood. But uh, it's going to be interesting. There's some talk, Chris, as you probably know, that will uh, the folks at Augusta National make a local rule and say you cannot right. putt uh, with the flag in. But I, I think they're the type that will just go along with whatever the USGA rules are, and they'll play by the USGA rules. I don't think they'll cross that line and uh, and start making up their own local rules. Richard, wanted to get your thoughts on Johnny Miller, a guy who is about to step away from the microphone. He was a contemporary of yours for a while out on tour, obviously a fellow BYU alumni. What are some of your favorite Johnny Miller memories? Oh, gosh. You know, there's so many of them. I remember our coach, Carl Tucker at BYU, when he was telling us stories when Johnny was coming in from California as a, as a young junior golfer and he was cocky as all get out and, uh, uh, at such an early age, uh, but he was able to back it up with a remarkable game. And he, he won the U.S. Junior in 1964, and he was there long before I was, but did get to know him. Um, you know, I think Johnny, and I played with Johnny on tour, and as a matter, let me just tell you this story. Uh, one of the, the best round of golf I've ever seen played was with, was with Johnny Miller at the Canadian Open. And uh, I think it was in the late 80s, uh, and, and uh, it was a final round. It was a brutal day. The wood, weather was just, it was cold. Uh, it was windy. And I think on the last day, there were, I don't think there were many, if you know, a couple of shots r- shot in the 60s. And Johnny shot 66 that day with a triple bogey. And Chris, it was so remarkable. I, it was the only time where I really didn't care about my game and my attention went on his game because it was just the shots that he was hitting into the wind, downwind, you know, his, his, his intuition on where to, how to land the ball with the adverse conditions was just remarkable. And, uh, 
And he was he was like that, as we all know, as a as a a, a commentator. Uh, he he commented uh, in golf on television like he played golf. It was it was out his mouth before it could hit his filter, and and he just played <laughs> reactive and he spoke reactive, and and it was a it's a magical thing. And and most of the time Johnny or a lot of the time Johnny was brilliant. Um, a lot of the time Johnny was wrong. And and you when you play that way, it's like Babe Ruth. If you're going to be the home run king, you're probably going to be the strikeout king as well. And Johnny was definitely like that, but uh, total admiration for him. Love him as a person. You know, he had tremendous courage to say it like it is. And, and I think he's going to get the proper tribute when he ends his final commentation on third round this week at, uh, at the, uh, in Phoenix at the Waste Management. So it's a, you know, it was a, it's a pleasure to have known him. And Richard, speaking of stories and being out on tour like you were throughout the, the 1980s, I bet you got hundreds of great stories. When you're sitting around at the 19th hole, what are some of your favorite stories to share with your group? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I love telling the story that, you know, because, you know, I, you're right. I played in the 80s and the 90s and played, you know, my last year on tour was 2003. I had the opportunity to play in a PGA tournament with Sam Snead. And people kind of look and go, you're not that old. And, uh, and they do the math and they try and figure it out. But I did. I played with uh, there used to be a tournament in, uh, uh, in Park City, Utah, where there was a, a, a senior tour player paired up with a regular tour player. And, and, uh, and I, my partner was Fred Haas, Freddie Haas from Louisiana. And we got a, an opportunity to play with J.C. Sneed and Sam Sneed. So that was, that was a great story to be able to say that I played with, with, with Sam. I, I remember my second year on tour when I was still using the, the headphones on tour, Chris, and I got paired with Arnold Palmer in, in, in San Diego. And, uh, and uh, Arnie came up and he, he tried on my headphones and, and he listened to the music. I think he had some rock and roll playing. He, he didn't approve, Chris. <laughs> he gave them back to me. <laughs> he did not. He said he didn't like it. He, he said it was, you know, it was a pretty ballsy thing to do. An outrageous thing to do at the time, and now I think everyone would do it if they allowed it. And then another another um, great opportunity I had uh, in '84, the final round of the PGA Championship at Shoal Creek. I got to, I got paired with Jack Nicklaus. So you know those things are <clears throat> are very important. Obviously, winning on the PGA Tour, uh, uh, you know, and, and losing, you know, having disasters out there, they stick in your mind, as you know, and. And, and they're wonderful learning experiences. I don't look at them as trauma. I learn, look at them as great, uh, great learning experiences and, uh, and, uh, and motivating factors. But a uh, lot of, lot of uh, in my 20-some-odd years of playing, uh, a, lot of great, uh, a lot of great memories, that's for sure, Chris. And uh, Richard, I want to go back to that story uh, uh, when you played with Sam Snead, because Snead is a guy, and as, as I've read over his history, one of the things that I find so remarkable about him is he was still contending in majors in his 60s. Mm-hmm. I mean, t- I mean, not yeah. contending, like making cuts. I mean, like top fives in, in his 60s. Yeah. What was it like playing around the golf with him? Well, it, it was it was really interesting. Um, um, it was quite some time ago, and I was just watching him, you know, at his age. And, and what I think what contributed in my mind to how he was able to perform at such a and have the longevity that he did is first of all his 
limiting factor with his, his physical ability. You know, is his, he has tremendous flexibility. Everyone understands that, you know, at his age and, you know, well into his 60s, he could touch the ceiling with his foot by kicking his, his foot up. And, and so he had a m- tremendous flexibility. And, um, and, and, you know, as he aged, and we're watching Phil Mickelson, you know, as he's aging, he's certainly not as old as Sam Snead, but if you have flexibility, it gives you that longevity in professional golf. And secondly, I think his great is, is second greatest asset was his mind as he didn't have that type of a mind where, you know, we get paralysis by analysis. He was a very intuitive player and and I think his intuition and his brilliant sense of playing golf and trusting his intuition. I mean, you know, he 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 was great when you, when when you asked him how how to how to fade the ball, he would you know you ask uh, David Ledbetter or Hank Haney how to fade the ball. They'll give you a, a bunch of angles and perhaps some golfing machine uh, terminology. And and and, and Sam Snead would go. Oh, it's easy. I can tell you how to fade the ball. You just take it back and you, as you come through, you just fade it. <laughs> that was his definition of explaining how to hit a fade. And, and it gave you insight to him as an intuitive person. And I think those two things are the greatest assets that Sam Snead has. And I think, you know, we're watching Phil Mickelson have, you know, his physical flexibility. That's helping him. And he's such an intuitive player, uh, the way he plays. And I think that's uh, a tribute to the reason why Phil is playing so well at, at the age he is. And you mentioned playing with Jack Nicholas and, and the strength of the mind. I'm not sure there was somebody, anybody that is ever more mentally tough. He and Tiger Woods, I think are two mm-hmm. of the most mentally tough players that I've heard people talk about. What was it like playing alongside of Jack and what did you learn or glean from him during the amount of time that you spent with him? Well, um, you know, he, he was the first thing that stands out about Jack Nicholas is his graciousness to others, uh, you know, to journeyman players like myself. You know, I, I still get Christmas cards from him uh, and, and, and his wife, Barbara. They're 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 very they're extremely sensible people and down to earth. And and and, you know, and you're right, Jack mine, you know, he had a great golf swing, but it was his mind that allowed him. Uh, to become the champion uh, who who he was. Tom Weiskopf said it best. He said, no one has the better uh, sense of presence than Jack Nicholas, And that's exactly right. And, and uh, uh, well, the only other person, as you mentioned, that can compare to him is Tiger Woods. And I think um, where Tiger got to, he reached the highest level that any human has ever got to. Jack has never won four majors in a row. Um, uh, Tiger has, even though they weren't in the same year. And I, I vividly recall coming down the last hole. Tiger was in the hunt with David Duvall uh, to win the Masters, and it was going to be the Tiger Slam. He was going to hold all four majors in a row if he won. So, and it wasn't over, and they're on the last hole. And I just couldn't believe how calm Tiger's body language was. And at that moment, I said, "This guy, you know, from his based on his mother." Uh, his ancestry that he's probably doing some meditation, uh, but because no individual, no human has been in that position has experienced those rough waters of, of pressure and anxiety and, and, and the body echoes what's going on in the mind and, and, and Tiger was, was calm as can be. And, and, and he's the only other person that has reached such a high level 
of, uh, of presence in, in such uh, difficult golf situations. Richard, I want to just sort of go back to your, as you mentioned, a couple of decades being out on tour, right? I think, you know, nowadays when we see the players and the amount of money that they make and the private jets and all of that sort of thing, I'm imagining life wasn't like that for you when you were out on tour. Take us back to your time (laughs) on tour. What was it like playing out on the PGA tour for you? Well, in my situation or our situation with my wife, uh, let's say, you know, I was out there in 1982 and I kind of, my first year and I was, you know, I didn't believe I literally belonged. So I learned how to cope with that and, you know, slapping that headphone on my, in my head and listening to music made such a big difference. You know, the moment I did it, I shot 65 and led the greater Milwaukee open. And, uh, and that was, that was fascinating. So I, I was able to kind of, you know, climb the ladder, learn how to play, learn to keep my exempt status, lose my exempt status from time to time, learn how to gain it back. And then, and then, uh, and then win. But, uh, you know, I remember when our boys were, we had twin boys, they were three months old in 1987. And, uh, we hit the road when they were three months old and it was traveling out of Vancouver, Canada and playing on the tour. And, and it was hard. It was not easy. And, um, and then towards the end of my career, I remember this is an interesting feeling. I just thought of this the other day. That, uh, you know, it's coming around 2000 and I'm still playing, but I'm, you know, early 40s. And someone said to me, he says, it's too bad you missed the era. And I went, what do you, what do you mean? He says, it's too bad because the money that's going to come into the PGA Tour is going to be a lot different than when you played. And this was obviously when Tiger was just coming onto the scene. And, and I hadn't thought of that yet. But uh, in hindsight, yes. Oh, I mean, you know, when I won in. In uh, 1992, the Greater Milwaukee Open, it was 180000 It was a million-dollar purse. It was one of the biggest purses on tour. It was huge. And, you know, that amount of money was, uh, was, was tremendous, and it allowed for me to do a lot of, uh, you know, buy a home, as an example. So uh, lots changed, uh, and, and uh, I, you know, a lot has changed in so many ways. And, uh, you know, the be- biggest thing that in my mind that changed is the money changed, and, uh, of course, the equipment has changed. So those are the two biggest things that are changing and making such a big, big dramatic impact in professional golf today. And Richard, as you have mentioned a couple of different times, wearing headphones out on the golf course, now, not during practice rounds, during regular <clears throat> rounds, right? So, right. I mean, I think people, people would think about that and like, how did they let him do that? And where did he get the idea to even try <laughs> to do that? Talk about the, you know, how all of that came about. Sure. Well, I remember it was my, my rookie year on tour, 1982, and, and, and we're into July now, and I think every one of your listeners can understand that, you know, I'm on tour, and I haven't been able to make a cut, and I, I'm just fraught with anxiety. I'm trying. Harder I push, the more difficult I'm making it, and, 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 and so I said, I got to do something about this, because I know I'm playing good, but my anxiety was getting ahead of myself and putting a lot of pressure on myself, so I just said, listen to music, so... The, I went out and bought a Walkman, and I didn't do it in practice round. I just pulled it out in the first round, and uh, then I, I, I started really enjoying it. I'd hit a shot, and I'd put the music back on. I'm listening to like the Eagles, and I'm one under, two under, three under, and I'm playing with Ronnie Black and, and Larry Rinker in the first round of Greater Milwaukee Open. I'm three under, four under, five under, I'm six under, and I'm coming down the last hole in the 18th hole. I'm seven under par, Chris. I'm playing great, and I can't believe how calm I am. Like, I'm in a different world. I'm listening to music, 
And then I shoot 65. I'm leading the tournament. And then the officials come up to me and say, well, what are you listening to? You know, they had to listen to it. Because if I was listening to golf lessons or, you know, I'd be disqualified. They had to call the USGA to see if it was legal. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get disqualified here. And then it, they found out there was nothing wrong with it and I could do it. And, and, and uh, it, it just distracted my mind from getting ahead of myself. It made such a big difference. So I did it for about a year. I, I led the tournament after the first round, led the tournament after the second round, the third round, all the way to the fourth hole of the tournament. Calvin Pete went on to win. And, but it, it showed me at that point that this is a very mental game because the only thing that was different was what was occupying my mind when I played golf. And uh, it, at, at that point, I started to get very much into the psychology of golf. So from there, let's transition to what you're doing now, founder and CEO of MindTrack Golf. Let our, let our listeners know, you've talked about it a little bit before, but I think you really got it going now. Talk about what MindTrack Golf is. Well, last time we spoke, I think I mentioned that our product, which is an app and a platform, was under construction. So uh, it was, right. we were getting it built overseas, and, uh, and the first product was delivered to us just before Christmas time. So now I went through it. It functions, and I'm very excited about it. And I want to invite any listener. You can find out about it on our website, mindtrackgolf.com. And track is spelled T R A K mindtrackgolf.com. And uh, so right now what we're doing, we're taking the product, we call it the alpha. So right now we've, we've, we've tweaked it. Our team has tweaked it and it's going into beta testing in another two weeks. So at, by the end of this week, we're going to get our, the tweaks we've made to the alpha. And then we're going to uh, got a list of people. I started talking to these guys like Henry Bunt, Brunton, Nick O'Hearn in Australia, some other teachers, Brent Saunders, Philip Jonas. And over the first quarter of 2019, Chris, we're going to beta test the product because we want to make sure the user experience, you know, and I, I, I know it works. And, um, and it's going to be able to give reports back to the golfer after every round, how many shot lost events they have in their round. And it basically revolves around where the golfer's attention is and our, our data collection device, so you're going to be able to have to tap on the club you used and an evaluation of how well you subjectively executed your shot and how well you valued your assessment of the shots. We call those two things key performance markers. And keeping track of these will then pull your attention into the present moment. We want to condition everybody to learn to detach from the result because that's where anxiety lives that's where golfers have a tendency to get ahead of themselves and that's where they make their mental mistakes so we're very excited about bringing this it's a mental game improvement uh, platform and app and we plan on it being uh, commercially launched later this year perhaps in the midsummer but we're doing our beta testing right now and it's something that you know the best players in the world can use as well as, you know, a 20 handicapper who has a, a little too much anxiety going on in their head. Well, Richard, before we let you go, remind our listeners about not only you, you mentioned the, the website, which is fantastic and what you're doing there, but let them know how they can also follow you, whether it's uh, on social media, whether, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, how can we stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Well, I'm on Twitter at Richard Zokel. 
And uh, once again, the, my, the, the, the website is MindTrackGolf, and that's track spelled with T-R-A-K, MindTrackGolf.com. And I want to leave everyone with this, this statement that I created. It's right on the front of the webpage. The burden to perform on the golf course is less about your golf swing and more about those battles lost within the confines of your own mind. It doesn't matter if you're public speaking, any, any, any performance anxiety this is what we work on and uh, to get through those uh, a- anxious moments and to recondition yourself to optimize your performance. Fantastic stuff, Richard. I really look forward to hearing all the great things that you continue to do, how the beta test goes. Always so much fun when you're a part of the show. I hope you'll come back again and join me again soon. I'd love to, Chris. Thank you very much for having me, and I, I, I look forward to the next time we connect. Thank you, Richard. Me too. Take care. All the best to you and your family. Bye-bye. That is the great Richard Zokol. And again, MindTrackGolf.com. Looks like great stuff, folks. I was spent some time out on the website over the last couple of days. Really looks like good stuff. And I'm telling you, you guys know we talk about the mental side of the game so frequently on this show. And if we can do a lot better job of reducing our anxiety, you know, get rid of the self, negative self-talk. How often do you hear us talk about that on this show? Get rid of the negative self-talk. How much more fun would we have? If we were just out there having a good time, like Richard talked about, you know, with the headphones on, right? Get your mind in the right place. Relax yourself. Boy, it would make this game so much more fun to be a part of. I really look forward to hearing from Richard and all the great things that they do there at MindTrackGolf.com and uh, having him back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Brian Jacobs, I want to remind you about our friends over at Super Speed Golf. Now used by ha- over half the tour players around the world, Super Speed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions are all you need per week to get a 5% increase in that swing speed. And with sets for golfers of all ages now and over one year of included video instruction, Super Speed offers a, com- a complete solution to help you start bombing it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set today. I want to welcome our new partners at Two Under the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour, worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and or wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact, to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code NXT on T20, so next on T20, to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. Yeah, be sure to go check them out online at twounder.com. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Brian Jacobs. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergraduate and then master's of education degree at the State University of New York at Brockport, became a PGA assistant director of instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester, New York, back in 2006, simultaneously becoming a staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. 2010, he became the director of golf instruction and a Hank Haney certified instructor an instructor, I should say, at, at uh, Iran Duqua Country Club in Rochester. 2014, he became a lead instructor on the Golf Channel's Golf Academy. 
2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Golf Academy at Ridgemont Country Club, also in Rochester. I got my Brian Jacobs Golf T-shirt on right now, and I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Brian. Thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it very much, and thanks for wearing the brand. <laughs> you know it's one of my favorites. I always try to have I it do. on when I'm doing the show. I, I appreciate you, Brian. So, Brian, I saw you were down in Orlando for the PGA Merchandise Show last week. Wanted to get your thoughts. What did you see at the show? How'd it go? Oh, it was great. We, uh, I had a wonderful time. I, uh, I'm a little hoarse, so I came back with a, a little bit of our respiratory flu up here for New York. Um, I didn't want to leave, actually. I knew I was coming back to, to cold weather. So, uh, but so it was great there. It was fantastic. Uh, it seemed more vibrant this year. Uh, and I've been going about, I guess, probably 11 years now, 10 years. And uh, it just seemed to be a happy place this year. Everything seems to be coming back. And, and uh, there were some new vendors there and uh, some different training aids. And I spent the majority of my time at the Golf Channel area. Uh, we actually introduced some new business solutions for instructors uh, called Marketplace and then also instruct, um, getting out to the, the instructors to help them market their business and position themselves a little bit better in the marketplace. And Brian, at a huge event like that, it's got to give you an opportunity to meet and connect with you know other great instructors plus people you know in the golf industry and uh, in and around the game. So... W- through your time there, who were some of the people that you got to spend some time with you walked away from and said, you know what, that was really good time spent? Yeah, there's just so many there. Um, just so many there. Probably the the people that made the most impression on me were uh, uh, my good friend Lou Guzzi from Ambler PA. Uh, Lou is the 2013 Teacher of the Year. and He's just a phenomenal speaker, phenomenal man, phenomenal friend. Um, every time I see him, he's just, uh, so uplifting and, um, got a chance to spend some time with Mike Malaska, uh, who's also wonderful. Uh, and then also Mike Bender, uh, Mike, I see quite a bit actually, um, at some PGA magazine events and, um, he's absolutely just wonderful. Uh, just such, such knowledge of the game and so, so much, um, compassion for people and so much drive, you know, to get them to want to play. Uh, uh, Deb Vandalo was there. She's very decorated LPGA. And uh, first time I've ever met her, I've uh, spoken with her over the years through social media. Um, and she's actually from a few towns over from me here in Rochester, but, but she lives in uh, the Dallas area or Houston area, I should say. And she's done very, very well. So you can really tell the difference when you get around these top instructors, just why they are where they are and, and, uh, so um humbling to be around them and i'm so grateful that they'll take time and talk and share and and i didn't get to see my good friend michael breed though um he runs around that place like uh it's you know a track uh so i'll catch up with him another time but but um unfortunately i didn't get a chance to catch up with michael but but i'll get him in the future and did you see anything any new equipment any new gadgets that you thought boy i gotta get me one of those <laughs> everywhere you walk <laughs> it's just you want one um i actually spent some time at a, a place called tough lie 360 which i thought was really cool it's actually a uh, movable deck that you can uh, put at different degrees 
of pitch so that you can simulate side hill or uphill lies or downhill lies. You can put a golf ball on it and it won't fall, you know, won't slide off like a homemade one that I used to make. Um, I saw another booth and uh, spent some time at a place called V Golf, which is you put a pair of glasses on and you hit a shot um, and you see it on the golf course. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And so my avatar could be there talking to one of my players, coaching them uh, virtually, uh, which is so crazy to me. I mean, I'm almost 60 wow. and uh, it's, uh, it's crazy what's happening in there. This hasn't gone to market yet. They're just kind of looking at things. And um, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, some of the, you know, the old standbys like Trackman was there and K-Motion's there, and that's just getting better and better and better. Blast Golf, uh, so was there. Um, just some of the technology things that were there. And then uh, I spent a little time, believe it or not, in uh, a booth called Drive, which is uh, it's a skincare product. So I'm very fair skinned and bald headed. So I'm always conscious of, uh, you know, protecting myself. And so there's a new product PGA endorsed. And so I stopped by the booth to check it out and it's, it's good stuff. Can't wait to use it. So a little of everything. Brian, I, yeah, no kidding. I mean, at the end of the day, it seems like, you know, a, a sort of a golf wonderland, if you will, or a Disney world for golf, apropos that it's down there in Orlando. Yeah. Talk about when you get in there, because the place is massive. And it I, I got to imagine, yeah. looking back to your first time that you walked through those doors, what was it like? What's it like when you get in there? It's got to be overwhelming. Uh, it is. <laughs> it is. So uh, the first seven or eight years that I had been there, I actually helped out in the eyeline booth. So we basically came in the back doors on the loading deck and went straight to our booth, and that was it. You just spent all your time in the booth. Uh, last year was my first year kind of out on the floor, and I was just – you almost want to sit in a corner, you know, and cry because there's just so much <laughs> stuff to do, and people are coming at you from all different directions. It's, I can imagine, you know, I've driven in Atlanta. It's kind of like driving in New York City. My first impression was the people were – all the same way they're they're kind of looking at you but they're not really looking at you and and then you veer off and you know and i'm a really nice guy i always say excuse me and so i learned this year you just you walk get your head down and <laughs> pick your booth where you want to go and you get in you get in the wave and you get going and and um wherever there's you know a, a star or somebody that's relevant in the game is where there's going to be a big crowd just like a tournament and so you'll see, like, maybe at Golf Channel, we had the uh, long drive guys were there. And so they had, you know, 10 or 12 deep there. And then the crowd disappeared. Uh, and then they went to Volvic, you know, and that's where they were signing autographs. And so one of my buddies, Jeff Crittenden, who was a finalist in Remax a couple of years ago, um, he was there signing. And, I mean, the, there was probably 30 people deep getting pictures and holding the belt and, and so you learn to avoid, you know, kind of the, the big crowd and you, you know, you ducked in between a few aisles and, and that's how you got to where you wanted to be. So you, you definitely have to have a game plan, though. It's hard just to, you know, lump around and, and get anything done. So I had some places that I really wanted to get to and to see. And then I spent a little time just kind of walking with friends um, that I do every 
every year that used to come into the booth, we, we now meet and uh, walk around a little bit. And they're from Ireland, so it's always fun to get their perspective on things, too. Brian, I want to switch gears a little bit and get some playing lessons from you. You've got a, uh, a drill where you are holding a golf club in each hand. And talk about that mm-hmm. and how it makes us swing our arms in unison. How does that drill help us? And what does it prevent and uh, fix? Well, it'll prevent mainly from either being too shallow or too steep. So uh, we'll assume that the person's right-handed. If they're too steep, their trail arm will cross over their lead arm. So the shafts will make an X on the lead side of their swing. Um, or they'll, or both shafts will swing too far to the left, too close to their body. Conversely, if they're too shallow, the shafts will swing, you know, a little bit too far to the right. So you want your, your trail hand and your lead hand to have some uh, unison to it or be synced up. And then at the same time, you're syncing your body. Uh, we call it educated hands, you know, or at my academy and people's hands typically um, you'll see someone where they'll swing their right arm over their left and they have no, they don't even realize that it's happening. And then we talk about the effects, like, well, what happens when your, your right hand swings over to your left? What, what's going on with the club face? And they'll say, huh, I don't know. It's opening. Well, it can't be open. It has to be closed. Right. Well, why do you think your ball flight starts to the left, um, all the time? And so we can, can talk about, Hey, let's get your palms a little more square, your trail palm a little more square with that trail shaft and and then the lead shaft looks squared up a little bit and if they really watch their lead hand they'll have the club head in their hand and they can start to see how their bow in their hand and how their right palm will start to match up and then we flip the club over and we're on our way brian also talk about you know for for the majority of us like you just pointed out we're we're all freezing around the country unless we're we're down with my good friend tom patrick down there in naples florida but most of us are freezing right now so yeah (laughs) we are for sure we can't even fathom 25 yeah (laughs) yeah no kidding i mean you know we even here in atlanta i mean right now it's in the it's in the upper 20 so you can't even fathom being outside and and practicing your golf swing or getting on the range so for when we can't do that right what is something Mm -hmm. we can do indoors to you know so we don't get too much rest on our golf swings right i would i would say number one Commit yourself to some type of mobility program, whether it's home program or, or at the gym where you're working on your flexibility, whether it be yoga or whether it be some speed training, you know, get with an expert that can, can train you physically. We, we have four areas that we work in all the time, either tactical, uh, technical, physical, or mental. Um, spend time working on your mental game too. read books. Uh, I heard Richard, you know, before uh, your guest before, I just think it's just a great time to really work on your mental game, your processes of how you want to hit shots and some visualization um, and then read some books. Uh, you know, I read a great book called Decisive um, by Chip and Dan Heath, um, not only for life, but also for when you're having to make those tough decisions, understanding where your safety zone is and, and also when you're excited or when you're anxious, how to calm yourself down a little bit and, and make things happen the right way. We're very fortunate up here. You know, we have a, um, a four bay simulator area that we're busy, you know, 12 or 15 hours a day at. Um, but if they don't have that, they can, can work in a mirror, you know, have a full length mirror and 
like a dowel rod or a grip with a little bit of a shaft in it and, and watch yourself move. Um, there's a, a million training aids that are out there that they can, can work on impacts. They could get uh, something called blast motion and uh, work on their putting and get some analytics, just having an app on their phone and, and putting on the carpet. You know, when you're indoors, there's, we, we find lots of ways, you know, to, to get around uh, the golf, um, you know, not being on the golf. Um, so Brian, those are all great ways. And Brian, to your point a moment ago, right, putting. Let's talk putting mm-hmm. for a moment. What are some drills that we can do indoors that we can try to hone our putting strokes? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would do with anybody uh, is to get fit for their putter. So we have an indoor studio. I know a lot of places may not, but if you can't get fit, then at least get yourself a mirror. Um, I would, you know, recommend a, a putting alignment mirror for my line. Uh, so the, and mark your mirror up and you can work on your stroke indoors. They have um, plastic tees that go inside of that mirror that you can make gates, release gates and, and ball gates through, and you can just work on your stroke, work on, you know, just uh, tempo. Um, and now with just the way things are, uh, Chris, uh, you can get mats and all kinds of stuff that are really inexpensive that you can work, work with all winter long. There's no excuse for anybody um, that wants to improve to not improve. They should be you know, working at it just like they would be in the summertime. Um, and, you, and you don't have to hit balls to be great, um, but your putting, you can improve so quickly. If I have an alignment mirror, um, and just roll a few balls every night, you know, on, on carpeting, or if you have a, have the means to get a, a mat, get a mat and put it down in your basement or roll it up and put it in the corner and have a good time with your family and have putting contests. And, um, the next thing you know, you're outdoors and you're a great putter. Brian, just a couple more before we let you go, but you, you've had, you've got so many wonderful students and you do such a great job. Has there Thank been you. a moment for you where you've watched one of your students, whether it's in a tournament, out on the golf course, or just out on the range hitting balls, where you thought, you know what, we did some good work here. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every day, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we have them every day. I remember hearing a story about Ted Williams once, um, and you may have heard this before. He, had, he was out of the lineup, and uh, his replacement uh, had said to him he was in a good hitting streak, and and uh, he had said to Ted Williams, he said, you know, he goes, did you ever have those days where the ball just looks like a balloon and you can see the seams and everything? And Ted Williams said to him, yeah, he goes, every day like that. So when I look at students, I'm very gratified because I know where they've, they've come from and, and I know where they're heading. Um, but in particular, I have one junior that I've worked with since he was 10. He's 21 now. And he's a man. And I mean, he is just, a beast, and he had some success early in his career. When he was about 14, he won the New York State Juniors, and then he had the last five or six years have been really, really tough for him. Um, he struggled a lot, you know, with his mental game. Um, physically, he's phenomenal, but you know, he just had so much success, and and they put pressure, on, you know, the kids put pressure on themselves to, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to play D1 golf, and then I'm going to go on tour, and then I'm, you know, they have that straight line drawn, and and we used to talk a lot about it. Hey, life is really wiggly. A lot of things happen, and, um, you know, we need to make sure that we're prepared. And and um, I couldn't be prouder of him the last year in particular. He's 
really taken a lot of ownership game. Um, we talk all, all the time now. We that when he was a kid, and then he kind of got away from it, and he just realizes that we all need somebody, and and uh, it's just been really gratifying to watch him play. Um, he, he'll finish his senior year uh, this spring, and he's uh, I think uh, in the lead of the conference right now, and and so I'm just really really proud of him, and and uh, I just can't wait to see what happens in the future, you know, with him whether he plays professional golf or whether he just stays amateur and you know, and goes to work. Um, he's just really grown so much the last year. Well, Brian, before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's online on your website or it's on social media. Sure. Yeah, they can go to my website at brianjacobsgolf.com, uh, or Instagram at brianjacobsgolf, or they can go to uh, golfchannelacademy.com and just type in Brian Jacobs and a few videos will come up which would be great. And if they ever want to reach out, just go ahead through the contact form on the website, you know, and I'm happy to take a look at their swings and there's no charge. And and I'm I'm happy to talk golf with them anytime they want. Well, Brian, you know what a big supporter I am of yours. I think you do such great work. And uh, like I say, sitting here with my Brian Jacobs Golf Academy t-shirt on (laughs) because uh, I think you're a great guy. You're a great teacher. And I can't thank you you enough for continuing to come back and be a part of the show. Chris, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, this cold weather keeps coming. I'm going to send you a coat. (laughs) I'll send you you a Brian Jacobs coat to sit in your office. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I look forward to it. Now I'm rooting for a little bit more cold weather. Hope Punxsutawney right, Phil yeah. sees, sees this shadow so we can get some six That's weeks right. six weeks more of winter. So That's right. take care, we'll Brian. All the best to nice your family. We'll catch you up soon. Thanks, Chris. God bless. See you, Brian. That's a great Brian Jacobs. BrianJacobsGolf.com. What a great guy. I really enjoy Brian every single time he's on the show and can you know communicating with him in between times. He is a a great instructor and a ten times better person. And uh, really look forward to catching up with him hopefully again real soon. All right, I got my next guest, Tom Patry, hanging on the line. Going to get to Tom Patry on the other side about our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top instructors anywhere on the planet, and that is Tom Patry. Tonight is going to mark the 11th time that Tom has been with me here on the show. And this year, I'm blessed to tell you, Tom is going to be making regular monthly appearances with me, which I am very excited about. Tom won the Division II National Championship and was an All-American at Florida Southern. He has been named the Teacher of the Year everywhere he's been. Golf Magazine has named him a Top 100 Teacher every year since 2000. Golf Tip. Golf Tips Magazine recently named Tom one of their top 25 instructors for the 2019-2020 season. He is also a contributing editor for them. Adding Tom and his instruction to that magazine, I'm telling you, that's the reason. I'm a subscriber now, and the reason I did it is because of Tom. Tom has worked with players like Fred Couples and Seve Ballesteros over the course of his career, and I am extremely honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, TP. Thanks for coming back on the show. Christopher, how the heck are you doing, pal? Nice to hear from you. Uh, I'm really well, Tom. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm, you know, I, I, 
I got to one up Ryan Jacobs. I, I'm not going to send you a T-shirt and I'm not going to send you a jacket. I'll just send you a plane ticket to come to Naples. It's going to be about uh, 75 and sunny tomorrow, so you can keep the jacket. Come on down. <laughs> I appreciate you, TP. Nothing I'd love more than doing that, my friend. So, Tom, I want to start right about there. You're going to talk about your instruction. I want to start by reading a letter that one of your young students wrote that I saw out on uh, social media. And it reads, thank you for everything, coach. You do way too much for me. I couldn't ask for a better coach. I appreciate everything you have done for me and won't take for granted the potential I have as a player and as a person with you alongside me. What a great letter, Tom. That's got to be extremely uh, special to you. You know, Chris, that, that letter, we talked about that off air, uh, you know, in, in a text message, you and I, that young man is 13, um, 13 years old, wrote that letter, and, and he's been with me since he was seven. He's a, a wonderful young man. Jack is from Long Island, and I work with him during the summers. And, uh, you know, every once in a while in your career, a kid comes along, and I've had, I've been blessed to have a lot of kids that were wonderful, but every once in a while, a kid comes along that's really special and different and uh, polite and bright and, and engaged and passionate, and Jack's one of those kids. So that letter came in the mail last week. Um, in that typical 13-year-old boy chicken scratch handwriting. And, uh, you know, it, those things just make your day. I mean, I've, I've been blessed. I've had a, a young lady who I coached who went on to win on tour a couple of times, and she came to me when she was 14. I've had another couple of kids that have played really, really special college golf, and, and actually one of them uh, who had a really wonderful college career and now has three boys of his own, and, and I still work with those that family. It, it, those kind of things just, just – uh, just make everything so worthwhile. They become sort of like trophies, don't they? I would I would assume things like that mean more than, you know, just about anything else that you could do is to see a, a young man or a young lady grow up and be not only a good golfer, but become good good fathers, good mothers, good people. And then to have a letter like that from Jack, that, those have got to be like the trophies of your life that you can look back on for the rest of your life and think, wow, I've made an impact. You know, I look at them more just like, like family. I mean, that's part of my golf family, if you will. And, and those people, uh, those are relationships that are lifelong. They'll, you know, uh, they'll be with me uh, forever. You know, I, even if I don't, you know, geographically still match up with them, I still keep in touch with those people. Um, uh, one one young man that came to me when he was 13, his name is Gary Barton. He's the fellow I just referred to as three young boys now that are learning how to play. He and his wife, uh, we both you know cross paths from time to time still, and when we don't cross paths, we reach out, whether it's a Christmas card or a text message or a phone call every now and then. Uh, he was a very special young man for me uh, way back when. Um, and he's now turned into an incredible father and an incredible husband and an incredible, incredibly successful person in the business world. So yeah, those are special relationships. They're like, like I said, they're my golf family. Tom, switching gears a little bit. Last week, you, just like Brian, you were down at the PGA Merchandise Show. I saw an event that you were at, along with a couple of other uh, great friends of ours here on the show. Uh, you were there with uh, uh, Allison Kurtz and Cindy Miller, some of the, you know, 20 of the top 25 instructors that uh, Golf Tip Magazine has named for this year. So you guys were all together. What was it like hanging out with your peers like that and uh, and getting to spend some time with them? 
Well, I, I'm, I've been pretty blessed in the last year, uh, Chris. Uh, Vic Williams, the editor of Golf Tips, and people who own Golf Tips have asked me to be part of their selection process for the top 25. And so Vic Williams and I are actually the co-chairman of that selection process. So this is our first go at revamping and, and retooling the Golf Tips top 25 list. So uh, I took part with Vic in, in, in selecting everybody that was in that room. So that was a really special event. First time Golf Tips has brought their list together like that in a reception to, for people to network and meet one another and, and kind of kick off this new top 25. So, you know, in that room were so many talented people. Uh, uh, you mentioned Allison Kurt and Gail Graham was there. Deb Vangelo was there. You know, and I can go on and on. Um, is a, a fellow that I had never met that I was connected on social media with a guy named Bob Griffith in California, who I think might be the best unknown teacher in this country, actually. And if people don't uh, know who he is or aren't familiar with him, Bob Griffith uh, is on Facebook very actively. He has uh, posts some incredible, might have the most extensive library of golf videos of good players and, and, and still action pictures, still pictures of good players. That I've ever seen. Um, just some knowledgeable guys, so I get to spend some time with him. Um, you know, we had people in that room when we constructed that list that are teachers of the year in various sections or in several golf hall of fames. We had former PGA Tour players, LPGA Tour players. People were in, you know, uh, incredible places in the industry. So it was a pretty cool event. And you're going to see Golf Tips Magazine change radically in the next 12 to 24 months. And, and I got to credit Vic Williams. He's done a, almost a miraculous job single-handedly um, relaunching that, that, that brand. It's going to be really cool, very cool. So, Tom, while you were there walking around the merchandise show, what caught your eye? Anything really come across and say, you know what, wow, that's fantastic? Well, I'm, I'm a little different than your previous guest, Mr. Jacobs, uh, who, who, who I think the world of. But when I get to the show, Chris, before I get to the show, in my cell phone by the hour is an exact map and, and uh, booth number or, or meeting room number of where I've got to be at what time. So my, my show visits aren't strolling the floor so much. They're pretty mechanical. I got to get from point A to point B, get into a meeting or a situation, get out of it by, the, by a certain time and get to the next uh, event. So I don't really get to spend a lot of time, uh, uh, as much time near as I'd like to just on the show floor um, I'm, I'm pretty much there to do some business, to do some, do some um, networking, to do some, to do some meeting with people that I've got to get to, or they've got to get to me and, and get the heck out of there. So I went up the day before the uh, the demo day and did a photo shoot with Golf Tips for one full day. Went to the demo day. At the demo day, other than visiting title the Titleist Tee, which I had to be at because um, I'm part of that, I'm part of that uh, company. I uh, I was in meetings and I was at a demo day and I was to a dinner that night that I had to be at and then the next day on the show at the show I was in one two three four five meetings and then I was at the golf tips reception that night I got out of there at ten o'clock at night drove home till one o'clock in the morning and got up the next day and was on the lesson tee so wow um, I'm exhausted just I'm, I'm I'm kind of exhausted recounting that because I'm an old man and and that's that's a that's a lot of moving and shaking for an old guy like me but uh, that's that's how my show goes so. Brian, if you're still listening out there, you need to be a little more organized. Don't worry about those people from Ireland, and you can get some more work done at the show next year. I'm happy to consult with you on that and try to and try to mentor you on how to use the show properly. <laughs> Tom, five years ago this week, we lost 
Seve Ballesteros, and Seve was a guy that you admired and actually worked with for a time. You're going to hurt me, Chris, here, but I'm going to try to keep this together. This is not easy for me. So, yeah, um, Seve is a guy, and I'm having a little bit of a hard time here, so pardon me if I I take a deep breath for a second. Seve is a guy who um, I was very, very blessed to uh, get to know, spend some time with. uh, spent some time on, on the on the practice tee with. Um, it was kind of a joke that he asked me for help because he probably helped me more than I helped him in the hours. No matter if I take that back, he did help me more than I helped him in the hours we spent together. Um, we stayed in communication um, while he was ill. Um, as a matter of fact, Chris, and this is a hard one for me, but about two weeks before Sylvia passed away, you know, we had some news that he had taken a turn for the worse. And my cell phone rang one day, and I, I knew the number. It was, it was a, you know, obviously a, a, an overseas number, and I picked it up. And about 30 seconds into the conversation, I realized that he was really calling, kind of going through his Rolodex to say goodbye to people. Um, and it was very clear what he was doing, you know, very shortly into the conversation. And, and I kind of lost it, and he kind of lost it. And we spoke for about uh, 15 or 20 minutes, and he was gone a couple weeks later. Um, he was um, he was not what people kind of some people, especially American fans, think. You know, he was. We we remember the confrontation at Kiwa with Paul Azinger, and we remember some of the cups where he was a little fiery. And as American fans, we didn't like that. Uh, he was a, he was a very very um, aggressive competitor. You know, he was there to do one thing to win. He there was, was there some game gamemanship? Absolutely, there was gamemanship. Um, but we, we did that too. We we do those things too. Um, but off the golf course, he was an absolute gentleman. He was. Uh, we Denise and I always got a Christmas Christmas card from him every year. Uh, I still have them, as you can imagine, tucked away in one of my files. Uh, a couple of very special photographs in my office of he and I together. Um, we I, I miss him very very much. And, Tom, you and I frequently talk about the importance of practicing your short game when we're spending time together. Nobody had a better short game than Seve did. You talk about how he helped you. What, what, what were some of the things that you learned from him over the time you got to spend? Yeah, people have to realize that, you know, the, the Phil Mickelsons of the world and the Seve Ballesteros of the world and the Raymond Floyds of the world, the Ben Crenshaws of the world, the Brad Faxons of the world, they're freak shows. Those are, you know, although Seve showed me certain things that he did with the golf club and, and the way he approached certain shots, you know, the gift of touch and the gift of feel and the gift of imagination can be developed to a degree by a great instructor and a great student. But those guys have the intangible that God gave them that that's not taught. Um, they. <laughs> He can do things with a golf club. And you hear the stories about him being a five iron out of a greenside bunker. I watched that happen. I mean, I watched him with five iron shots, uh, uh, simulating a sand shot out of a greenside bunker with a five iron over a very high lip bunker at Westchester Country Club during my time there. We're spending time together fooling around one day. And, and I, could, I can't hit a 62-degree sand wedge or lob wedge today the way he hit the five iron out of the bunker. And if, if you can explain to me, Chris, to this day how he did that, I would love to hear your explanation because I don't have a clue. Um, he was so gifted and so talented. He had such a, a great pair of hands and such imagination. Um, 
those those things aren't necessarily taught. Tom, switching gears again, uh, the golf world is sort of buzzing about the ruling over the weekend that Hao Tong Lee had to deal with because his caddy was somehow in his putting line. It cost him two strokes. I, I wanted to get your thoughts. What do you think of what you saw with respect to that? I think I think Mr. Lee was subject to the same referee that the New Orleans Saints was subject to um, <laughs> during that game against the Rams. It must have been the same referee. I think I think Mr. Lee kind of got a bad call there. Um, and once again, um, and I'm going to get in trouble again. I'm always getting in trouble. You always get me in trouble, Chris. I think the USGA is again, you know, about a, a step too slow in their understanding of what the possibilities are when they make rules like this. I think that, you know, the rule has to be defined. It, the rule is too subjective. Um, I think that now I'm not going to blame the USGA for this. That person who put that penalty on Mr. Lee at that event probably jumped out a little too quickly. Uh, I think we got to go to the sideline camera for a little review on that one. Um, I think they got a bad call there, uh, a real bad call there. But uh, when you make a ruling like that, I, and, and there's that, is that gray area of, you know, when the player is, in fact, in a stance and when, in fact, the caddy is out of the way, you know, I, I, I think there's, I think the definition and the guidelines there are a little bit too, a little bit too vague, too vague. And by the way, that call in New Orleans was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> yes, it was. Tom, what, what about uh, putting with the flagstick in? What do you think? Good idea, bad idea? Well, well listen, Chris, I, I can promise you, and I, I don't compete much anymore. I play a few senior events a year. But whether it's a senior event I'm going to play in the future or, or you and I are playing a, a little $5 NASA, if I've got a 30-footer downhill, that, that flagstick is staying in. You know, I can promise you it's staying in. Um, I, you know, and I realized when we first played this game a 1,000 years ago, the flagstick was left in. Um, so it's not something that didn't happen in golf at one juncture in its history. But today, with really fast surfaces, you know, on tour, really – now, picture this. What happens, Chris, in April at the Masters on the 18th hole mm-hmm. Augusta if that pin's at Sunday's pin position on that lower level behind that front bunker and somebody hits them on the top level with a with – a, one-shot leader tied and rolls one down over the hill and it's going a million miles an hour and hits that flagstick dead center and falls in. What, 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 what do we think about that? And what, what will the, how will the USGA react to that? Will they go back and pull right. a rock immediate and, and all of a sudden the long putter is illegal now again? Uh, Adam Scott can't use it and we take it out of you know, what, what do we do then? Does it, does it change it? Does it taint the championship? So I, I think we've got to be really careful when we say, oh, when some, somebody made a statement this, this week to me, he said, yeah, well, the flagstick, that's how we started the game, you know, way back when. I said, yeah, but the green speeds weren't what they are now, okay? The sophistication of, of agronomy isn't what it is now. And, and what if, you know, what if? So I, I think that some of these rules, I mean, dropping the ball from knee height, why don't you just put it on a tee and, and, and let the guy place it? I mean, you know, when I when – when I first started competing, you had to drop it over your shoulder and you couldn't see it. When you have a penalty, are you entitled to create a lie? And basically, at knee height, I can promise you a set of skilled hands will be able to almost, almost always create the lie they want to unless you're in an extreme situation. So, you know, drop it from your knee? Really? 
I I think that you're going to see a year from now some 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 USGA folks revisit some of these things and maybe come up with some revisions. I don't think I don't think we're we're out of the dark yet on these rules. Tom, I got to get a couple of playing lessons before we let you go. And and uh, you recently too, posted sir. a piece of advice on social media that reads. Use ground force for balance and stability and deliver forward-leaning club shaft. Talk about what you mean by that. Okay, so we have, I think we get fooled again by the freaks of nature. Like, we get fooled by Bubba. We get fooled by Justin Thomas because we see these pictures and their feet are basically off the ground at impact. So right away, people think it's okay to get up on your toes and hit shots. So we look at the exceptions. We don't look at the rules. So I think Bubba and I think JT are basically freak shows. So take them aside for a second, and let's go examine guys that are really good ball strikers at impact, whether you're looking at Justin Rose, you're looking at Adam Scott, whether you're looking at Tiger, you know, know, we can keep on going. Most of those guys, Nick Price in his prime, most of those guys who are great iron players are very grounded at impact, okay? That right heel doesn't come off the ground really to post impact, okay? The left foot is a plant foot, the right foot is a pivot foot, and they're using the ground for stability and balance and delivering the club shaft in a forward-leaning manner. They hit crisp iron shots. They hit very long iron shots that control trajectory and spin rates that way. So I don't think most amateurs use their feet very well and use the ground very well. It'd be really hard to play golf in a pair of roller skates on a linoleum floor, okay? I think people have to understand that there are spikes on the bottom of your shoes for a reason, and, and you want to be balanced and stable when you deliver when you deliver the club shaft. So I've never seen a great athlete, Wayne Gretzky in hockey, Derek Jeter at shortstop, Michael Jordan on the basketball court, Olga Corbett in the Olympics as a gymnast. I've never seen a great athlete that didn't have great footwork. Great footwork. Okay. Now again, are there exceptions? Is Bubba and JT an exception? Absolutely. Freak show. Put them on a shelf on the side. Don't use them as your examples. Look at the majority. Look at what's going on with ground force. Look at what's going on with balance and footwork, and that's who you should kind of watch and, and copy after. I tell you what, that, that, that pairing of Tory Pines on Sunday of Justin Rose and Adam Scott in that last group, if you want to look at two golf swings with great footwork and great stability, go, go ahead and review that film right there coming down the stretch. And to take that just a little bit further, Tom, one of the tips I saw you recently post is about stance. You call it wide and let it ride. Talk about what that means. Uh, that was more referring to a backswing condition, Chris, where, you know, I think that, you know, you want to create some width in your backswing. You want to use width in your backswing to then shallow up the club in your downswing. I think Jim Furyk is a great example of an exacerbation of that. Club moves outside and away from him, and then he routes it down, down in the downswing and shallows it out and works underneath the plane. So he's a little bit of an exaggeration of what really is proper. So the tour plays golf wide to narrow creates some width, drops it inside, and, and the average player plays golf narrow to wide, or some people call that over the top. So if you're going to get the club shallow in the downswing, you've got to create some width to create the shallowness and to, and to shallow out the club in transition to your downswing. Tom, before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, both on your website and on social media as well. Well, Chris, I don't like the warm weather in Naples, Florida, so I think I'm going to move to Toronto. Um, but but in the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, I'm in Naples, Florida. It's it, by the way, everybody up in the Northeast right now. It's 60 degrees at 9:15 at night. It's nice and 
go outside. It's pretty warm. You can maybe maybe put a light sweater on if you want to, but you don't have to. But anyway, www.tompatry.com uh, is my website. Tpatry at mindspring.com is my email address. Uh, my business number is 239-404-7790. I take text messages anytime you want to get to me. And I'm at the Esplanade in North Naples, Florida. And it's going to be 73 and sunny tomorrow, Chris. And you can still get on that plane on Delta and Atlanta at about 8 a.m. <laughs> You'll be here by about 10.15. And we hit some balls about 1 o'clock after lunch. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. I know it. I know it. I'm going to get down and see you, my friend. I can't thank you enough, though, for your time tonight. And like I say, excited that uh, you're going to be a regular part of the show this year. It's always fun getting to spend yeah, some time I, with you. And I'm excited about that, too, Chris. I, for your listeners out there, I, I want to tell them in front of you that I appreciate that opportunity to spend time with you once a month. It's going to be fun to come on. I love the interaction. I think you do an unbelievable job on these podcasts. I don't know why somebody smarter than you and I haven't, hasn't, haven't gobbled you up yet. I think, I think that's going to happen to you eventually. And, uh, and, and I think bigger things are ahead for you, but it's going to be fun. Uh, yes, it will. I appreciate you very much, TP. Take care. All the best to you and your family. And I'm looking forward to the next time already. God bless you, Chris. Nice talking to you. See you, Tom. That's the great Tom Patry, TomPatry.com. I tell you what, folks, when you look at Tom's site, and it's fantastic. I'll sing you. He's got great videos on there. He's got articles. Now, again, I, as I said in his intro, I subscribed to Golf Tips magazine because they started to work with Tom. And now, you know, I get that magazine. It comes, uh, I think it's like six times a year. It comes like every other month. But uh, it, and it's something you keep, right? It's not something you flip through one time and, and you put it in the recycling bin. Because the tips that he and some of the other instructors that are in there, and he talked about what a great uh, array of instructors that, that he has helped assemble there. And Allison Kurtz, a great friend of the show. We've known Allison for many, many years. Cindy Miller also is a part of that team as well. And Cindy, also a great friend. But the, uh, the tips that they have, I keep those things right, right here next to the desk because I'm going to refer back to those things throughout my golfing life. Not just this week, not just this month, not just this year, but the tips are that good. And there are things that you're going to want to take with you out on the practice range lay that magazine down. You're going to see a lot of great visuals in there and then read through that so that uh, you can improve your golf game. And uh, like I say, Tom's a, a wonderful instructor, but uh, the, the privilege about it and, uh, and guys like Brian as well, but 10 times better person than he is a golf instructor. And he's one of the great golf instructors that uh, has ever lived. And uh, certainly glad to have Tom as part of the show throughout the remainder of this year and, and hopefully for many, many years to come. Looking forward to catching up with him again real soon. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the T. I want to send out my thanks to Richard Zokel, Brian Jacobs, and Tom Patry for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts. Go online. Go to our Facebook page, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Give me a comment there. Go to my website, nextonthetea.net. Give me a comment there. Let me know what do you think. How are we doing? Anything that you want to know, or if you've got questions for someone who has been a guest, you can see our guest schedule on there, so you can see who some of our future guests are going to be. You can see some of our archive episodes. We also link back to our page over on Podbean. I can't thank those guys enough for featuring us every day on their mobile app. If you download the Podbean app and you go into their categories section right there as you uh, download the, uh, the, app, uh, the application, you t- uh, type, uh, tap on the app, you're going to see categories. Click on categories and look around, you'll see golf. And uh, you can get to our page right there and you can take us with you everywhere you go right there on your mobile phone. 
but thank those guys enough for uh for uh, you know having faith in us and featuring us like i say every day very much appreciated and, and just as a side note if you love streaming podcasts across all genres not just sports not just golf but across all genres podbean is the place to go please also check out our sister show on the football side thursday night tailgate with me and my co-host bob lazari and our announcer joe la Janusa. that show streams live every thursday nights from 8 to 10 p.m eastern time you can stream it live on blog talk radio and again that show like this one available as a podcast over on podbean plus you can also find both shows on great places like spotify iHeartRadio, audio boom amazon alexa now just tell alexa hey play podcast next on the t you can listen to us there as well on thursday night tailgate we are joined every week by five nfl legends who come on and share stories from their playing days plus give us their insights into what's going on around the league now plus we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities and our spotlight on the positive segment that website thursdaynighttailgate.com and again this site online at nextonthetee.net Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate the fact that you are making us part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors